edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. It is Brian Hines from Pat's Pulpit, back with Alex Barth from 98.5 The Sports Hub. And we have a bit of a quieter day today after <laughs> the mess that came in yesterday with all the news. And we did have a show yesterday, if you missed that, where we talked about all the hirings and some of the organizational structure. So go check that one out if you did not already. So with the quieter day today, we're going to kind of take a step back, do a little Q&A. We'll get into anything you guys want to talk about with the coaches, with free agency, with the draft. We'll do some Super Bowl talk because it is Super Bowl week later in the show. So while you guys start putting some of your questions in the chat, we will talk about the one bit of news we didn't get to talk about yesterday because it broke after our recording. It was Brian Belichick, We'll be back with the team, so there will still be a Belichick on staff. They didn't. It was Mike Reese who reported it. Didn't directly say if he'll be back as the safeties coach, but you'd imagine with the guys they have hired on staff, that is the role he will probably take. So Brian is back in the building, and the Belichick will still be on the Patriots staff here next season. Yeah, I I mean, it's good. It's good. We've talked about having continuity on defense. And I think with Gerard May, with Demarcus Covington, you had continuity up front. You know, who's sticking around from the secondary? We still haven't heard about Mike Pellegrino one way or the other, but Steve Belichick sticking around, assumingly, as as the safeties coach, I think is it's it's good for both sides. The Patriots get to try to keep together that coaching staff that was obviously, you know, successful last year. And I think for for Brian Belichick, a chance to kind of build his name outside uh, of of uh working for his dad and obviously he's still in new england but he's not working for his dad anymore he's out on his own and and he's on his own accord at this point so good move makes sense uh and good to see one of the the belichick brothers sticking around and yeah now we just wait for them to finish the rest of this thing off yep so it is good you needed someone with some experience in the secondary, right? Because Covington's a defensive line guy. You have Jerry Montgomery is a defensive line guy. Mayo's obviously linebackers. So you have the front seven pretty much covered, but you want some someone with experience in that secondary. And he's obviously kind of built his resume working with the safeties. Again, we'll see Mike Pellegrino. I know Mike Reese put out that projected coaching chart uh, last week or something. Yeah. And Mike Pellegrino was still the cornerbacks coach there. So makes you think. It makes makes you think that maybe Mike got a little tidbit that Mike Pellegrino will be back in the because mix. Which, I think Mike had uh, Mike had Steve on that projection or had Brian had on Brian, that projection yeah. as well. I think right, yeah. So makes you so, think, yeah. And Pellegrino would be an awesome guy to bring back, right? Like that cornerback room has been very good the last few years, picking guys like you know Alex Austin off waivers or free agency and turning him into a, a quality starter. Yeah in a few weeks it looked like at least last week last year so uh pellegrino back would be a a big boost for that defensive coaching staff yeah definitely we just got to wait and see at this point yep yeah so cornerbacks coach offense again is receivers tight ends and running backs coach we'll we'll kind of see how the rest of the staff shapes up here over the next few weeks combine in a few weeks and then free agency and about over a month so Things will be moving along pretty quickly here, but any last thoughts on the coaching staff there? We'll wait till some some questions come in. Again, if you guys have anything you want to talk about, put that in the chat. We will get to some anything you want to talk about, but any last coach tidbits you had? Yeah, no, we can we can get into the questions. It's funny, we did on, on Catch-22 today, Evan 6, so I hosted, and it was 
we, we always get so locked in. I don't know something about me hosting, maybe a real radio guy. We were <laughs> rolling through calls and emails on uh, Catch-22. So I'm ready to talk to the people. I am ready to answer questions. Let's start right here. This is a nice, easy transition from the coaching staff. When you look at the coaches and staff members, what are the next steps the Patriots should take? And, I mean, obviously you got to fill it out. I, I don't think the order is super important. Like, oh, you got to hire a tight ends coach before linebackers coach. Like, I don't really care about that, but – I think we talked about offensive coordinator being the most important hire. We had kind of said offensive coordinator, then quarterbacks coach. Alex Van Pelt was kind of two for one. Then offensive line coach was the most important. And it seemed like Reese confirmed that Scott Peters is in fact the offensive line coach last night. Let's get a wide receivers coach in here because yeah. this is this big looming thing heading into this draft, especially for me, where I keep talking about, they don't have the flexibility to take Marvin Harrison third overall. They need to be able to identify and develop a day two receiver. That's coaching. That's what that is. That's coaching. So let me see. Let me know who the wide receiver coach is going to be so I can really start to, we can really start to dig in on this draft. That's the next big one for me. I mean, linebackers coach, cornerbacks coach, I trust them to take care of. Tight ends coach, they interviewed so many freaking tight ends coaches during the OC search. I'm sure they're somebody. Running backs coach is an interesting one. Kevin Falk is actually an assistant running backs coach in New York right now. That's somebody I would call, see if he's interested in coming back. Uh, but but wide receivers coach to me, and I thought, I don't know if it was you or Mike who pointed out today that the Patriots released a video recap of what they did at the Senior Bowl. And interestingly enough, Troy Brown, who was the offensive coordinator, played a big role. Not Wasn't featured. Video. <laughs> so it certainly seems like they're ready to move on. And that, to me... Uh, yeah, that, that's the next one I really have my focus on as wide receivers coach. I, I don't know. It's, I'm sure people would come back to that and be like, who do you want? I don't know. Like, I, I, I can't say I'm super familiar with all the wide receivers coaches around the league. Just look at the teams that have successfully developed wide receivers in recent years, and do they have any assistance? The one guy I've sort of talked about, and I don't know if he's actually available, um, going back to those like early 2010s Packers teams that they seem to be pulling from, Edgar Bennett was the wide receivers coach in green Bay for a while. And they've obviously had a ton of success at that position. And he's now the wide receivers coach in Vegas and has been with the Raiders since 2018. And they've had success developing wide receivers as well. So he's still with Vegas. I don't know if they're going to bring in a new staff with um, get it's Getsy, right? Is their new offensive coordinator? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I, I'd give him a call. Maybe Getsy's going to keep him, but I give him a call and be like, Hey, if you're, you know, at all uncertain, you want to make sure you have a job. Yeah. New England's beautiful in the fall. Come on by kind of thing. So I know like Chad O'Shea, wide receivers coach is going to be kind of an obvious connection. It seems like him and Van Pelt are friends. He's worked in Cleveland. One name I've been looking at, it's David Ra. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name. It's R-A-I-H. He is currently uh, just an offensive analyst for the Buccaneers who are now kind of remodeling their coaching staff or offensive coaching staff with uh, Cone, Liam Cone. Is that the Liam offensive Cone, coordinator yeah. they just hired? So he was with Green Bay from 2014 to 2018. He spent the last year as a wide receivers coach, and then he went to the Cardinals as a wide receivers coach for two years. And then he had a one-year stint in Vanderbilt where he was the offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach. So that's the guy with those Green Bay Packer ties, and he has plenty of experience working with those wide receivers. I'd have to go back and see the years and if there was any uh, you know, good projects that he helped develop or any guys he helped develop there. But that was, that was another name looking through all those old, old staffs that kind of came to my mind. 
All right, uh, here's a question. Other than quarterback, what is the biggest need on offense that should be taken care of in free agency? Uh, first off, quarterback should not be addressed in free agency. Unless Baker Mayfield somehow gets there, which he won't, quarterback should not be addressed in free agency. That should be addressed through the draft. Um, that being said, like, what is their biggest need that I'd want to see addressed through free agency? Wide receiver. Absolutely wide receiver for a, a number of reasons. One, the tackle class in free agency sucks. It's just, it's not good. It's not... I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, there's one or two guys and it drops off if they miss. No, it's not. You have, what, 35-year-old Tyron Smith. Yep. And then the next best PFF's grading of tackles for free agency, their next, their second highest ranked guy is Trent Brown. And Mike Onwenu is like And Mike Onwenu's third, who might be a guard. So uh, you got to do wide receiver. If, if, if you want to add, you know, true premium, and I've said I think they can get a playmaker in the third round, wide receiver, second or third round, and I believe that. But if you really want to go, go get a guy, go get T Higgins, go get Michael Pittman, uh, the equivalent of that kind of player, even like Calvin Ridley, there is no tackle equivalent this year in free agency. So I think wide receiver is the big time free agency position this year for the Patriots. Yep. So tackles on PFF, they have Tyron Smith, Trent Brown, yep. Mike Unwinu. Fourth is Makai Becton, who was basically kind of like Trent Brown for the so, Jets. There, right, kind worse of Trent Brown. Yeah, and then it's Jonah Williams, who, you know, they have him getting like four-year, 16 million average. I don't know if you'd want to pay Jonah Williams that. And then That's Jermaine, a lot for a guy that would, got benched last yeah. year. And then Jermaine Illuminor, who, who like could be a solid like third tackle. Right, he's got backup. He's got to play at spot starts. Like I wouldn't mind that addition, but you're not getting your starting tackles in, in free agency unless – you hopefully resign Mike Odwinu and your and if you're keeping him at, at right tackle. Right. All right. Um, best day two quarterbacks for Van Pelt's offense, McCarthy. So I don't think Michael Penix is a day two quarterback. A lot of people do. Michael Penix would be great with the play action, deep ball yep. stuff. Michael Penix would be an ex excellent fit if he gets to D two uh, uh, to day two. McCarthy, I don't know because there are some more complex reads to it that just he's not ready for. Um, if we go down to like the day three guys, cause there really is no day two quarterback. There's the six guys who are going to go. I mean, they might go day two, but they're like top 40, which I guess is the Patriots range, but there's no quarterbacks in like the 50 to hundred range in this draft. There's aren't, it was supposed to be Michael Pratt and he had a terrible senior bowl. Unless Rattler worked up in that. Maybe range. I still, yeah, I still would say like fourth. I worry about him. He's small, man. I worry about him in any offense. He's just, he's going to take a beating in the NFL. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm actually writing about this right now. Um, I'll have something up on this tomorrow, but this is something I'm kind of amazed. Nobody's talking about it. And Judon, Matthew Judon was on Felger and Maz earlier and was sort of asked about his contract, like indirectly. But uh, the question is, are you on board trading Matthew Judon for some picks Wants to get paid, but getting long in the tooth. So before people freak out and say, why do you want to trade Matthew Judon? He's one of the only good players on the team. Something has to happen with Matthew Judon between now and the start of the season. Like something, it could be any number of things, but last year, right? He had the, the unofficial hold in. They didn't call it a hold in, but it was a hold in. And then the Patriots gave him a sizable pay raise. He went from $2 million in guaranteed money to $14 million in guaranteed money. Part of the way they did that without extending the contract was adding, taking money from what is now this year, 24, and putting it into 23. 
So now here we are in 2024. He has no guaranteed money on his contract this year. I think he can earn up to like $7 million in incentives, which still is not a lot. But no guaranteed money in his contract. Entering a contract year, he's 31 years old. So he's right on the edge of that. He's older, but he's not old. Especially the way we see some of these pass rushers continuing to contribute to, you know, 34, 35 years old. Like Judon could, if he was a free agent this year, he could probably still go out and get a big contract. And then you add in the fact that he's coming off the injury. Now, what I worry about, here's what can't happen. And that's nothing. What can't happen is the Patriots wait and see. Because this situation is very similar to the situation Stephon Gil they had with Stephon Gilmore in 21. Where in 2019, he wins Defensive Player of the Year. In 2020, they did the same thing. They moved a bunch of his money up. Goes into 21 in a contract year, coming off an injury, a little bit older. Now, they didn't have as much flexibility at the time because their cap situation isn't what it is now. I think they had like $500,000 in cap space by the time they started training camp that year. But they kind of, they they could have traded them at the draft. They could have traded them early in camp. They let it, they waited. They ended up trading him for a sixth round pick in October. And he went on and he's still been a very good corner since. So you can't let that happen with Matthew Judon. You can't just wait, realize you're not going to get a deal done, trade him at the deadline for nothing, and then he's still a good player. So what do you do? You could give him a short-term contract, which is probably, you know, it sounds nice. All right, he's older. We'll just get him for a couple of years. It's going to cost you a lot of money because he knows, he should know, his agent should know, he could go out on the market and get like one last big contract and you're preventing him from doing that because even if you sign him to a two-year deal, all right, now he's going to be 34 when he hits the market next time. The, the last big contract window is gone. This is his last real contract. You can sign him to a long-term deal, which is probably going to be a little cheaper year to year. But now you're tying yourself to the guy who's going to turn 32 in August is coming off an injury. Do you, How do you feel about where he's at? Again, you can't wait and see him on the field before you make this decision because his value plummets. Or do you trade him? Which, to me, that means before the draft. After the draft... He loses tremendous value. You need to trade him now when, because this is part of what happened with Gilmore. He had, I think, $6 million in dead cap, and then he was going to need a new contract. So part of the reason the Patriots didn't get a lot for him was he, whatever team added him, needed the flexibility to make it happen financially. And there just weren't that many teams that could do that. The Panthers were tanking. They had like $19 million in cash space. It was among the most in the league. If you wait until August, or October to trade them, teams have pretty much spent all their cap space. Like they're not really interested in acquiring a big contract player. If you do it now, when teams are putting the picture together and they can make that a part of their plans, you're going to have more bidders. He's going to have more value. And to me, you know, I look at it and some of this depends on what happens in the next couple of weeks. Like I, I'm, I've kind of gone back and forth, but I don't rule out trading him because I look at the edge rushers in this draft. Can you essentially do what the Vikings did with Stephon Diggs on day two, where they weren't going to pay Stephon Diggs, they traded him to the Bills, used the pick, took the player, boom. You had a one-for-one -one swap, Justin Jefferson, and you're rolling. Can you trade Matthew Judon for a day two pick, identify a pass rusher on day two, and I know people are going to freak out about using a pick on defense in the top 100, but... Without Matthew Judon on the roster, pass rusher becomes a premium need. It's one-for-one one swap. 
You had a pass rusher. You hope you hit on the guy. You trust your coaching staff and boom, you're off and running. That's in a perfect world. Do you trust yourself to do that? Or do you give him the contract? I'm open to it. I don't know that it's, I'm, I'm not ready to say which way I would go yet. Like there's still too many unknowns, but it's wild to me. Nobody's talking about this. Cause again, yeah. what can't happen is Matthew Judon goes into camp with no guaranteed money on his contract because now you have to give him a new deal or trade him. And you're going to be get a lot less for him then than you are right now. So is that what you think before the draft, you think his value, you, he could get you a day two pick. I would. I, so literally I interrupted writing to do the show. <laughs> what I was about to do, Brian, I kid you not. I have the page up because I lost track of time is try to find like a comparable trade. If you want to talk and give your thought, I can actually do that. Um, a comp trade for Matt Judon. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I just, don't know. Yeah, just trying to look at like another probably, time an edge rusher was traded. It's a little different. I mean, Sweat and Chase Young were just the like the two that went at, at the deadline. But that's Yeah, that's at the deadline. That's different. They're yeah. younger. Like Sweat, Sweat's on his rookie deal, right? I know yeah, Young is. They, they, they extended him right away. And then Chase Young's a free agent this this offseason. So they were both ending their, their rookie deals. So definitely kind of a different situation there. But... Yeah, some, something's going to have to happen there because you can't just kind of go in like last year and have this this hold in and him just conditioning on the fields with no guaranteed money. Uh, but he is 32. He is coming off the injury. So how do you assess his value as a team? And if you get rid of him, then you do need pass rushers because we'll see with Josh Uche. If he comes back, there are some intriguing guys in free agency. Like Bryce Hoff is a good one. They could look to add Jonathan Grenard from Houston is a good rusher. So they could go out and, you know, spend that money elsewhere. Or if they got a day two pick, I don't know if you have the comps, uh, they could find a, a rusher they they like and try to fill his shoes that way. But yeah, something, something's going to happen with Matt Judon this off season. It's just a matter of what and when. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking, it's been a while since an edge rusher was, I mean, some guys were thrown in in other trades, but now I'm already all the way back in. Cause I, I want to find one that happened in the preseason too. Like um, Leonard Williams uh, went for a second and a fifth. Now that was in October. I don't know if you would consider that a comp, Brian. Mm. The, uh, Leonard, Leonard Williams getting traded in October. Yeah. I mean, not really, <laughs> I guess, but it's about I as good as you can do, right? Bad radio, yeah. Well, look, it, it, and the argument I guess I'm making, maybe that helps my case, because Leonard Williams is a little bit, he's not on his rookie contract anymore, but he's younger. Yeah, so he's 29. He's three years younger than Judon. He's, I mean, I, the argument I'm making is that he's going to have more value in the spring. So if Leonard Williams went for a second-round pick in October, October. Yeah, I don't think a, a second or like a, a late second, early third round pick would be super unrealistic. All right, so the last edge rusher I found, and this isn't helpful at all. Uh, in 2022, <laughs> the Colts traded, uh, the Colts acquired Yannick Ngakwe for Rakia Sin. So that doesn't do much because okay. I don't think, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess you could try to swap Judon player for player too. I didn't really yeah, consider that's that. That's on the table. Like, if you can go get which wide receivers do we think are on the trade block? Um, 
Because I would even give up like Judon and like a day three pick for a decent wide receiver. For a wide receiver. Yeah. Like, I don't think you're going to get. Let's say the Colts franchise tag Michael Pittman and can't get a deal done. Would like Judon in a fourth for Pittman? Yeah, I'm just throwing that. I have no idea if that would work or not. I'm just throwing that out. Brian, I don't know what you think. I mean, I'd probably, I'd consider that and I'd probably do that honestly but i don't know if that value how that value would be to indianapolis okay here we go i i sort of found it so the value is not going to be quite this but same age same kind of pedigree a close pedigree uh in march of 2022 the chargers traded a second and sixth round pick for khalil mack that's similar. now Khalil Mack wasn't coming off an injury, but he was a bit older in the six. Yeah. Same age. So Khalil Mack, the year he was, he was traded going into his age 31 season. Judon's going in. Oh, but he was hurt the year before he was hurt in 21. All right. This is the one. Um, and I, if I remember actually, now I'm thinking about it. I think this is welcome to the process. Everybody reads my column tomorrow. It's going to be like, Oh, I already know all this. <laughs> yeah. He had, Season-ending foot injury, Khalil Mack in 21, and then he got traded. So that's the comp. There you go. He's a little younger, and I think he has a little more pedigree, I would say, than Judon does. Right? He was an All-Pro the year in in 2020. Mack was he, you know, been a Defensive Player of the Year, which Judon's never done, albeit that was much earlier in his career. And you know, Judon's going to need a new contract, but I believe Mack needed a new contract as well when that deal was done. Um, which I can tell you here in a second. Uh, no, maybe not. But you want to tell me it's a third for Matthew Judon? If it's, you know, a high third, if you're up there in, you know, 65, 66, 67, 68, something like that, I would think long and hard about that. Yeah. I I really would, especially because the reality is, is Matthew Judon still going to be a part of the team when you're truly contending again? Probably not. So you kick the can down the road a little bit on that contract. Now, I would say if you do that, you either go out in free agency and pay another elite pass rusher or more likely or, or more realistically, you, you draft a guy with the pick you get for Judon. You hope you hit on it or use one of your third round picks on on a pass rusher. Um, but yeah, I I. All right, I'm glad I found that trade. That just yep. saved me a whole bunch of so time. So the Bears... The process in action. There you go. We'll look behind the scenes. The Mac, they got uh, pick 48 and like a six yeah. round next year. So you could okay. maybe like Judon, you could ditch the six and move the pick back in that 60 range. And that's probably a, a pretty similar comp. And then you get another top 75 pick for the Pats to keep kind of rebuilding this thing. So yeah, some, something's going to happen there. Uh, it will, so maybe Judon for like a late second. Yeah, late second, early third. That could definitely, that's the comp. That's, so now, I mean, to take this a step further, I mean, what are the teams that are going to need pass rushers, rushers down here? Um, you can never have enough. Tampa might need a pass rusher. Their defense is getting old. Dallas, it totally seems like the kind of move Jerry Jones would make. That's 56, 57. Yeah. I mean, Buffalo needs a pass rusher, but you're not, you're not going to trade him to Buffalo. You shouldn't trade him to Buffalo. Um, Maybe Kansas City, their defensive line's kind of getting old. They like to make these big draft day trades. So, yeah, uh, I just I, I say a quick thought. I think we just spent 10 minutes on that. But Matt Judon for Kadarius Tony. 
Thank you, <laughs> Somebody in here, hang on, where'd it go? Somebody put in Grand Slam Rooney that we can thank Colin Cowherd for that. We're going to have to hear about this for the next three months, oh. even though it's never going to happen. Number three and Matthew Judon for number 11 and Jefferson. Uh, there's zero reason for the Vikings to do that. Yeah. They, they should pay. They are idiots if they don't pay Justin Jefferson. It, yeah. And I know that it already worked once. I get it that they traded Stefan Diggs and end up with Jefferson. I, I would not... You're counting on hitting blackjack twice in a row. I would not count on that if if I'm the Vikings. So, yep. uh, but thank you, Colin Cowherd, for filling up my mentions with this ridiculous trade. Throw that one next out four, there. Not just the next four months. People are gonna be mad. People are gonna be mad in like August. Be like, well, they could have traded three for Joseph Jefferson. No, <laughs> they can't. I promise you. And even if they could, at that point, at that point, unless you're getting Justin Jefferson and eleven, which you won't, because that is an obscene amount. Just take Marvin Harrison. Just take Marvin Harrison. You still get a really good receiver. You get him on a rookie deal. Yep. So, all right. Um, all right. Let's take a quick break before we get into some yeah, more. Yeah, I forgot, after, I forgot we got to take breaks. That was good. After our quick Matt Judon minute that spanned 12 <laughs> minutes. But uh, let's quickly good question, though. Good question. hear from our friends at FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets. Which players will score a touchdown? How many points will be scored? And so much more. New customers join today and you get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right. What else do we got here? Um, we got... All right. On the topic of edge guys. Oh, oh, oh that. All right. Here, we'll start with this. Um, first. Should the Patriots keep Uche or Jennings? Anthony Jennings between the two. Easy. Yep. Easy. Jennings should be... I don't want to say priority because that's Mike Onwenu, but I think yeah. he should be up at the top of the list, especially now that they're still running this, you know, Belichick defense with Gerard Mayo and Demarcus Covington <clears throat> leading the charge there. I, I would love him back. Uche, how, how do you feel about Uche? It, watching just... his market will be interesting, first of all, because I, I think he might just end up getting like a one-year deal, probably incentive heavy, but I don't know. Like that, that'll yeah. be an interesting market to kind of watch unfold. He reminds me a lot of, not as a player, but like, I remember when Chandler Jones' contract, and they obviously ended up trading him, but when Chandler Jones' contract was up, like, you knew, it's like, this is, he's a really good player, but he's never going to maximize his skill set here. So rather than pay him for what's going to be lackluster production, get the equivalent value for him and build from there. Like, that's always what it felt like with Chandler Jones. And I said that about Josh Uche at the deadline. Now, I don't, his equivalent value might be a third round pick. So maybe you get lucky. Somebody overpays, you get the comp pick next year. But I just, 
they, they the way they prioritize disciplined rush and jo- the way Josh Uche just plays with his hair on fire, it's just like he can go to a, another defense that uses that edge roll differently and probably put up big numbers. He's never going to do that here, but he has the ability to do it. You're going to have to pay for that ability. So to me, it's it's just not a fit. It's just it's not that he's not a good player, but I think that money can be best spent elsewhere. Yep. All right. Um, here's one. Who is your favorite Patriots external coaching hire? Uh, I, it might be Scott Peters. Yeah. <laughs> just because we have that video of him hitting the pole. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was gonna say it's either Scott Peters or if he counts as he's not coaching, but Alonzo Highsmith because he's a badass. That's so exactly where I was going to go with that. So. Yeah, the football guys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what about with the new offensive system? Do you think Cole Strange it will benefit Cole Strange and he'll look he'll look better and more of this West Coast? Maybe they have some of that, you know, Shanahan stuff with TC McCartney playing a big role. He coached under Kyle Shanahan. So do you think that means better for the more athletic, smaller Cole Strange? It's definitely more of what he like more tailored to his skill set. I, I don't think it a hundred percent is he, it, it should help him out. But I think part of the question is who's playing next to him because a lot it's, it's all outside stuff in this scheme. It's it, a lot of it's built on that outside zone, that wide outside run. So who's the tackle next to him? Cause he, he's only going to be able to do so much like that tackle is going to be a focal point. So it should help him, but let's see who they get a tackle. And my thing with him is like, is the new system going to help with pass blocking, right? Because he's undersized, and that's where a lot of his troubles has been. Just those bigger defensive yeah. tackles kind of going right through him. So I know maybe getting him on the move in the run game will help, but how is this going to look still a, a, as a pass blocker? That that'll be interesting to watch. Yeah. Uh, another free agent, Dalton Schultz. We've talked about the tight end position a lot, especially since. Uh, the Van Pelt hire, because that played a big role with David Njoku in that Cleveland offense. Do you like Dalton Schultz? Um, I, I want to see him get kind of a more well-rounded tight end. Like Schultz blocks a little bit, but I, I don't think he he's more Hunter Henry-ish. Like I, I, I look at, honestly, the guys that that uh, Van Pelt had in Cleveland. Harrison Bryant's going to be a free agent. Austin Hooper's going to be a free agent. Neither one of them's that old. I mean, Bryant's, I think. Bryant was the the Asiasi Keen class. So he's probably what, 25, 26? Um, yeah. I think you need to be a well rounded tight end to play in this. And like Dalton Schultz is a really good player. Don't get me wrong. He is, but I, they need a, a, a number one tight end who can block. That's just to run this system, you need a tight end that's going to contribute in the run game or, or can contribute both ways. Because if you're just switching guys in and out, it becomes a tell. And I think that. It didn't become a thing for them last year, but they had to overcompensate, so it didn't become a thing. They had to run, I think, more 12 than they probably wanted to in order to get Pharaoh Brown and, and Hunter Henry on the field together, right? So I, I just – give me give me Hunter Henry and Pharaoh Brown as one one player. Give me that well-rounded skill set at tight ends. So I, there's it, tight ends I like in the draft, honestly. So has it changed your thoughts maybe like trading down for Brock Bowers at all? Brock Bowers. Just because rookie tight ends generally have the longest like, lead time. I said this on Catch-22. I've obviously been pretty stoutly against uh, trading down. The one I consider, consider, I don't even know if you would get this whole package. What is, uh, Atlanta has eight, right? Yep. 
can you go from three to eight and get Kyle Pitts? Yeah, I'd love that. Kyle Pitts and then maybe one or, you know, another day two pick or something or a future first, right? Eight, Atlanta's next year first in Kyle Pitts. I wouldn't hate that. I, I'd rather just have the quarterback at the top of the board. But if, you know, they have to trade down, let's say they, they look at Jane Daniels, they look at Drake May, they say, no, thank you. I call Atlanta and I say, give us eight, Kyle Pitts, your next year first, and then a second, either this year or next year. And I would do that. And then at eight, you, you I don't know if you get uh, Joe Alt, but you'd probably have a shot at either Olufashanu. If you have Joe, if you can get Joe Alt at eight, you take Joe Alt. If not, you, you get Olufashanu or Malik Neighbors and you're off and running. And then you take Michael Penix, probably trade back. Use use what you got from Atlanta to trade back up into the end of the first round and take Michael Penix. Probably what I would do in that situation. Yeah, that, that's a, just a scenario that I've been looking at more because again if it's if it's you're not sold on a quarterback at three because yeah. that's like the ideal preference but if you don't believe in one of those guys like moving back and getting a lot of extra capital is really enticing and then if you can right. get you know at eight you can still be in that range to get a blue chip talent maybe Fashanu, joe alt neighbors uh dunze and then you can even add a guy like Kyle Pitts, who could be a real uh chess piece in van pelt's offense that that would be an intriguing route again you if they like the quarterback at three, stick there and take them. But if right. not, uh, trade back could be pretty enticing option. So, like, in theory, what you'd have if you did that. Let's say you go out, you sign, like, Michael Pittman, right? You then trade back from three to eight. You get uh, uh, Kyle uh, – I'm sorry, Kyle Tucker. Kyle Pitts. <laughs> and then you move back up and you take the quarterback. Or you take, you know, tackle at eight. You move back up, you take the quarterback. You've now added blue-chip players at quarterback, tackle, receiver, tight end. You're off and running. Now – you didn't really add the maximum ceiling quarterback, which a lot of people want. You're probably looking at more of like, uh, I don't want to say Brock Purdy type, but you're probably looking at more of like a Jared Geno Goff Smith. type, Geno Smith type, than, you know, hopefully getting your CJ Stroud or even, dare I say, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but yeah, let's see here. I think we have some breaking news based really? on the chat. Yep. Let me see. I've been gotten by the chat before, so I will wait and see. <laughs> um, yes, oh, Mike. All right. So Mike Pellegrino's <laughs> back, just as we thought. Perfect. Well, good thing we hit all that at the top. But yes. Yeah. Uh, I like it. Yeah. As I, as I said, the cornerbacks have been very good uh, the past few years with Pellegrino leading that room. So I think that's a a very good guy to bring back and kind of keep that continuity and experience in the secondary. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, and just, if you want to rewind, I mean, yeah. we're going to repeat what we, we said earlier, continuity in secondary. He's been good. They've done a good job of coaching those guys up. Uh, so the Patriots have both secondaries coaches back from last so year. So all that's left on defense is linebackers coach Dante Hightower, Jamie Collins, Ooh, well, Michael. well, they have in the past <laughs> split inside and yeah. outside linebacker. So there you go. So, you have one inside and one outside. <laughs> right. Dante Hightower is your inside linebackers coach. Jamie Collins, your outside linebackers coach. There you go. Or I guess they're backwards. Just co-linebackers coaches, whatever. They both played all over the field. They and you probably, played. I don't know if it's like past the point where Michael Hodges would be ruled out, but I mean, still that's a linebackers coach. They interviewed from the Saints that worked with DeMarcus Covington. So you'd assume maybe that guy that he's, he's still in the running, but 
Uh, we'll see. Yes. I, I mean, he hasn't, as long as he hasn't taken another job, I think he's, he's still, still worth considering. Yep. Uh, back to free agency. Interested in Saquon at all. Uh, so this is an interesting one because, like, what if the, mm. all the good receivers don't hit the market, right? Like, they all get tagged. Mike Evans goes back. And now you just have this money to kind of spend. So maybe you say, hey. Then you trade for A.J. What? Brown. Then you trade for A.J. Brown. Like, I just. Okay. You, you know who tried to solve his wide receiver issue by adding a running back? Urban Meyer. Remember Urban Meyer in that draft, they drafted Travis Etienne with the play. Urban Meyer said this on draft night and Etienne got hurt. So it never came to fruition, but he said, yeah, they asked him like, why'd you draft Travis? I forget who the running back they had, but they had a good running back at the time. They said, why'd you draft a running back with your second first round pick? You already have a good one. You have all these other needs. He goes, well, we wanted a good slot receiver and we feel like Travis Etienne could be a good slot receiver. Despite that wide receiver draft for slot receivers, was so loaded and it's it, it's the it's the mystery box of the boat you know travis Etienne. we need a slot receiver so we drafted travis Etienne because he's a running back he might even turn into a really good slot receiver despite having all those really good slot receivers on the board so i i hate I, i'm not anti-running back like evan i'm not i'm really not and and barkley's a good player but i think you need about be realistic about the impact of positions and i just don't think that you're getting the impact of you can only have really one yeah. running back on the field at a time. So you're basically just replacing Ramondre Stevenson with, with Saquon Barkley. If you tell me you can trade Ramondre Stevenson, who's in a contract year and you don't have to pay Barkley that much, like maybe, but that's just, it's not going to happen. By the way, I had to wait and pull this up here. So Travis Etienne went 25th uh, to the Jaguars who again, remember wanted a slot. What was that, 2020 went 25th or 21, 21. So here's who went after that. Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, uh, Josh Palmer, Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, all right. So some of these guys didn't pan out that we thought were good, but like you get, you get the point yeah. there, right? Like there were slot receivers available to be had <laughs> and they drafted a running back. Like, I have no, who are the uh, UDFA wide receivers that year? Uh, there's nobody. Um, yeah. I, 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 I think Saquon's a good player. If, Ramondre's contract was up this year. I would say, yes, go out and upgrade the running back position. I just, it, it, it's a hat on a hat. It's, it's too much. Don't, I, I don't need Saquon here unless for whatever reason, Ramondre Stevenson's yep. got. I, I wouldn't mind it on like, if you miss out on all the receivers and you have this money to kind of spend like a two-year deal, maybe like, I'm not interested in giving them like a running back, a four or five. But what are you deal. doing with him? You're just adding a player for the sake of adding a player at that point. Just looking to get offensive talent at that point, especially with Stevenson. But, but it's I understand not, like one running you, back can only be on adding, the field at a time. But Right. How much more talent are you actually – you're putting more talent on the roster, but how much more talent are you putting on the field, especially when you look at the production they got from Zeke last year, who they signed in August. Yeah. I'm not worried about the backup running back. You can get a backup running back in this league. You snap your fingers, you can get a backup running back. I just – Unless Alex Van Pelt's like, we're going to run it a ton of uh, 12 per uh, 21 personnel, 21, 21. We're going to run a ton of 21 personnel. We're going to go pony. We're going to be using them as fullbacks. We're going to be lining Saquon up in the slot, which I don't really think he can do. Um, unless Alex Van Pelt has that master plan. It's it, I, I, I've said, I talked, we talked about this a lot last year and we talked about certain positions in the draft. There's, 
replacements and there's additions or there's upgrades and there's additions. They're two different things. An upgrade is when you one for one swap a player for another better player. But when the first player is already pretty good, that becomes a tough sell. An addition is when you add somebody that you like, you did not have that element before. I feel like the Patriots already have the element that Saquon would bring and Ramondre Stevenson. Maybe Saquon's better, but when you talk about the assets you have to put into it, that's an upgrade. That's not an addition. And I'm not saying the Patriots shouldn't be upgrading in, in on top of adding. They should. I just don't know that that's the, for what Saquon's probably going to want. I don't know. That's the spot that I look at and say, all right, you got to upgrade at running back. That's, that's what's going to do it. Yep. Uh, but what about late round running backs? Speaking of that, I mean, I don't know if Dylan Labe counts as a late round guy that I think he does. I mean, he's, he's day, day three, uh, day three. And to me, late round means day okay. three, later round means so day I three. Would say, so I was, I mean, I was going to say Labe yeah, too. So. so where we're at now, I would say Dylan Labe for a, you know, kind of a, a late guy for the Patriots uh, to draft, but um, that's enough running back talk. Let's, let's go somewhere else. Um, let's see what else is in here. Any wide receivers in the second round that have wide receiver one potential in this draft? Welcome to the show. I'm glad you tuned in for the first. <laughs> this person's tuning in for the first time, at least in a year. Um, yes, yes, I've said this that there are. I did this with Evan actually, Brian. I did this exercise with Evan. Let me do it with you, and you're a little biased. You're a big 10 guy. So, who was your number one wide receiver last year? Uh, was it? Uh, oh man! Was it JSN? Was it Quentin Johnson? Uh, it was JSN. JSN. All right. Where would you put JSN if you were in this draft? Tell me. Tell me when to stop. Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze, Keon Coleman, Brian Thomas. Uh, I'd like him. Keep going. I like him more. I like Brian Thomas more than Keon Coleman, but then I like JSN okay. probably more than Keon Coleman. Okay. Well, what somewhere about in that, somewhere Xavier in that Worthy, A.D. Mitchell? Yeah, right right around there. Right around a Xavier Worthy and Keon Coleman. All right. So we're talking about the number one receiver last year being wide receiver five or six in this draft. And those are second round guys. Like there are guys that are going to go on day two in this draft that would have been the number one receiver off the board last year. There are first-round talents that will go on day two. The guys that stand out for me, I just said some of them. Um, I mean, I I, I, I guess Brian Thomas is rising up boards. I see the consensus board has him at 21. I thought he was a day two guy, but I guess not. Um, A.D. Mitchell, to me, is wide receiver one potential. Xavier Leggett has wide receiver one potential. Xavier Worthy, maybe because of his position, doesn't. But like he has true impact player potential, where I still think you need a true X. But like your X doesn't have to be your best receiver but you do need an X. I, I get who would the comp be for a guy like that? Um, I mean, I've compared him to Zay flowers. That's kind of been my comp for him. Yeah. And a lot of people think Zay flowers wide receiver one. And I, if you really develop him properly, there's a little more risk here. I think Johnny Wilson can be a wide receiver one. If he ends up in the right situation with the right coaching. So what was that four or five guys? Oh, um, wow. <laughs> I, 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 I said this when we did the, the senior bowl preview, Brian, I think there are multiple future pro bowl receivers at senior bowl, just at the senior bowl. Forget the guys that weren't there in this draft. Um, I I really believe that. So I don't know if I I missed anybody that you also believe in, but uh... I think you hit on most of them. I mean, Mike brings up one of my favorites, Ricky Pearsall. 
I don't know if we're talking wide receiver one potential, maybe. Yeah, not, he's more like he's a gonna strong be a wide receiver two. He's kind of yeah. got like that Brandon Ayuk thing going on. Like if he he's gonna win single coverage all day. Uh, but you know, when he starts getting safeties over the top and doubled and things like that, I, I don't know that he's quite um at that level. Uh yep. what else? All right, what else do we got? Uh, um do you think there's a chance the Patriots draft a tackle like Alter for Shano at three? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, there was a report last week that Elliot Wolf would strongly consider it. Now we find out he's running the personnel department. So how can you not? Yeah, I think it's definitely on the table. I mean, it's a, definitely a position of need. There's two really talented guys there. Uh, if that's the route, I'd hope you could maybe trade back a little bit and you know, acquire some future capital and not have to take them at, at three. But I think it's definitely in the equ equation that they stay at three and end up picking one of those guys. Yeah. All right. Um, um, There's another guy like Jerry Rice's kid, Brendan Rice. I don't think he's like a wide receiver one, but he's a good player. He's a good player. I definitely take him in the top 100. Yep. Definitely a true X kind of guy. Anything else you see or... You want to get in a little Super Bowl talk real quick, and then we'll wrap it up here? Yeah, let's take one more quick break. Uh, we can hear... I have to read this one, right? No, I think we have the video up now. Oh, yes. I've been Love told that. we have the video. So I think we do. Yeah, we do. We can hear right. from our other friends very quickly over at LinkedIn and then talk about a little bit of the Super Bowl to wrap this up. All right, so we'll wrap with some Super Bowl talk. 49ers, Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes looking for, what, his third Super Bowl? Do you have uh, someone you like? The Chiefs are plus two and a half over at FanDuel, which Patrick Mahomes as an underdog is, is tough to go against. But uh, are you are you leaning one way here? And are you yeah, what are you looking look, at on Sunday? I want the Niners to win as much as it's going to kill me when Kyle Shanahan finally wins the Super Bowl. I think that um, I like the way they built their team. I like the players on the team, all that. Uh, it definitely backs up a number of my takes, my anti-Jimmy Garoppolo takes, my building around a net neutral quarterback takes, my you don't need to take a receiver in the first round takes. Um, defense can win championships still takes. But I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going to do it. I, I've lost too much money doing that already this year. I'm not going to do it again. Like I, I, I The Chiefs are going to win this game. It's going to be annoying, and don't let anybody tell you it means Mahomes is better than Brady. He's still behind on rings in terms of base, and he's still less than halfway to catching Brady, and people forget Brady had this thing called uh, durability and longevity, and part of what makes Tom Brady so great is in an era where guys were retiring at 32, 33 years old. He played well in his 40s at a high level. I need to see Mahomes do that before I put them in the same category. Uh, so again, I'll be rooting for the Niners, but I think the Chiefs are going to win. And I, I think it's going to be another annoying game where the Chiefs are on the ropes and we think they're done. And then, you know, just like last year, like late in the third quarter, here come the Chiefs and, and they win. Yeah. And they're, uh, and you know what? And they're probably going to win by 13. So the Swifties can all go nuts and it's going to be annoying. Uh, I mean, I'm with you. I'm, I've had a lot of Travis success. Travis Kelsey catches the game-winning touchdown with 13 seconds left. Well, I don't know how they win. And then they, you know, force a fumble, return it for a touchdown. They win by 13 somehow. They win by 13. Like yeah. Oh, my God. I've had a, a lot of success backing Patrick Mahomes as an underdog. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for the Niners. I'd like to see Shanahan get his first. Uh, I'm a Brock Purdy fan. I, I like Brock Purdy, not saying he's an elite quarterback, but you know, he, he seems like it's a good story. He seems like an awesome guy. Like that would be cool to see him win uh, a reign. And 
yeah, just as you kind of said with the whole Chiefs, Patriots, Brady, Mahomes stuff, just like the more they lose in the Super Bowl, the better yeah. uh, for, for those whole 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 debates. So I'm rooting for the Niners here, but yeah, Patrick Mahomes as an underdog is a scary sight to see. So I'll give you this on Shanahan because I think this is as much as people are talking about it as a legacy game for Mahomes. It, it's it's really a legacy game for Kyle Shanahan. Here's why. Kyle Shanahan is in his seventh year, right? Seventh year coaching the Niners, I believe. Let me double check that. Uh, oh, whatever man. year it is, it's seventh or eighth. I can't remember. Um, he is in his. So he started his 17. Eighth, one, right? Eighth. Okay, he's in his eighth. Three, four. Eighth year. Yep. So he is he's tied with, um, uh, what's his name? The clown in Buffalo. Sean McDermott. For the longest tenured coach in the NFL that has not won a ring with the current team. So the other guy, like, have the, Andy Reid's been coaching the Chiefs longer, but he's won a Super Bowl, right? So he is in his eighth year. There in NFL history have only been 10 coaches, or modern history, Super Bowl era. There have only been 10 coaches to coach a team for 10 or more years without winning a ring. It's kind of 11. Mike Holmgren coached the Seahawks for more than 10 years without winning a title, but he had previously won a title in Green Bay. So these are guys that were employed for 10 years without a ring on their finger. The list. Marv Levy, Marv Lewis, Ted Marchabroda, Jeff Fisher, Dan Reeves, Jason Garrett, Andy Reid in Philly. Now he's obviously won, won, won a ring since, but Andy Reid in Philly, Dennis Green, and Jim Moore. That's Kyle Shanahan's company. Those are his peers. And... Uh, um. Sean McDermott's peers, but we, we know Sean McDermott's not a good football coach. Yeah. <laughs> now, more, most people have come around on that. People are still coming around on Shanahan. I, so I don't want to punish Felgren Masbro, right? I don't want to punish the guy for what he hasn't done yet. He still has after this year, two more years to get it done, but really hard to get to Super Bowl back to back, especially the way the NFC looks. So does he get back next year? Probably not. Can he get back in his 10th year? Like this feels to me like Kyle Shanahan's chance. Now the Evan Lazars of the world, who worship at the altar of Kyle Shanahan will tell you he's Andy Reid in Philly to which I would say, okay, so you're telling me he needs the best quarterback in the league to win a Super Bowl because Andy Reid had to leave Philly, go to Kansas city and then get Patrick Mahomes in order to win, which I don't think reflects that Andy Reid's a great coach. I don't think that's the flex. A lot of people think it is. Oh, he reinvented himself. In Kansas city. No, he got Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Now, he coached up Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying anyway, Kyle Shanahan, a lot of people will try to tell you he's Andy Reid. He doesn't win this Super Bowl, and then he doesn't get his before year ten. Oh, he's quite Jeff Fisher. He's better than Jeff Fisher and Jason Garrett and Marvin Lewis. Marvin, Marvin Lewis, Jeff Fisher, Jason—they were good enough coaches that they hung around. Yeah, they were good enough Jeff coaches Fisher. that they hung around, and they made you think they could do. Jeff something. Fisher was Mister Eight and Eight. He went eight and eight every year, and then he kept getting. He was employed for ten years. Here's who I think the comp really is. It's Marv Levy. Okay. Went to four Super Bowls with the Bills and didn't win one. But when we talk about the great coaches in NFL history. You got to get one. Where, where's Marv Levy on that list? Yeah. Where is Marv Levy? Where is, like, Jim Moore was a very good coach. Dan Reeves was a very good coach. Where are those guys? It, it, they're talked about, but it's going to take a couple minutes before we get to them. This is Kyle Shanahan's legacy game because this is his best chance. You have a beat-up Chiefs team. You're here. You're healthy. The Niners have not been healthy a lot under his tenure. Who are you? 
are you a Super Bowl winning coach or are you Jeff Fisher? That to me is what Kyle Shanahan has to answer in this. Well, game. he he finally beat that stat against the Packers. What was it like? He was zero and thirty-one when lead uh, trailing by seven in the fourth quarter, or something. And then he finally got that monkey off his back with that comeback win against Green Bay. So now maybe he gets uh, this one off his back and he can get he can get a Super Bowl. But yeah, yeah, this is I think his best shot because I mean they're gonna have to start paying some of these guys on, on the roster. Uh, Ayuk is up for a contract soon. I mean, they're going to have to make something decision with Brock Purdy, whether they pay him or, you know, move on and, and look for another quarterback in, in like two years, probably. So th- this probably is their best shot. I- I'm rooting for him. I'd like to see Kyle Shanahan get off that list with Jeff Fisher and, and those guys and win a Super Bowl. And, and I would like to see Brock win, win a Super Bowl. So. I'm going Niners, but yeah, it's probably just going to be Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey doing it again, just like the 2018 Pats, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. All right. So do you have one FanDuel special or bet for us that that, that you like to close this one out or one guy you're looking at their maybe yardage? Total? I mean, I'm, I seriously might just bet both teams to win by 13 because <laughs> the Swifties seems to always win. And uh, I assume the odds are high enough on – doing an exact score margin that uh, they obviously won't both hit, but if one of them hits, I, I end up, you know, in the green. So if one of them wins by 13, let's see, I don't know. I don't even know if you can bet that. I know you can bet like exact score, but I don't know if you can bet scoring margin. I'm also probably going to bet. Like you can usually get open. an alternate spread or something. I also might just bet. Um, what was I going to say? No, but you don't get that's a spread. So you don't get uh, yeah. like if I take, you know, Niners down to minus 13, we get it, it, the odds are going to be terrible. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I might, I might do something like punt return, return for a <laughs> touchdown or something like that. I usually throw uh championship weekend. I had an opening kickoff return for a touchdown. It was a dollar to win like 1200. <laughs> and obviously it didn't happen, but it was like, you know what? For a dollar, if I actually get this story, it'll what be if worth it. What happens? So shout, right? shout out Devin Hester, who should get in the hall. I think that's tonight, right? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I forgot that that was tonight. If um, if uh, Rodney Rodney Harrison should get in tonight, Rodney Harrison Devin Hester should both get in tonight. I'll say that. We'll we'll react on the next show. So the only uh, we'll I was just going there. through the correct scores. The only one that I can find Chiefs by thirteen is Chiefs twenty eight Forty Nine ers fifteen, and it's plus fifty thousand. No. So. <laughs> well, for that many odds, I'll put a cent on it. What's the uh, Kevin Malone line? If you get ten thousand to one, bet it. Yeah, you have to so take fifty thousand to one. Uh, you got to go for it, I guess. But um, that's our little Super Bowl preview to wrap this one up. We will be back next week to talk about anything else, Patriots, that goes down. So make sure you subscribe to the channel. Turn on your notifications so you do know when we go live. In the meantime, you can follow Alex on Twitter at RealAlexBarth. You can head over to 985sportshub.com to read his whole Matt Judon article that's dropping tomorrow that you just heard us talk about. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at I am Brian Hines. Head over to patspulpit.com to read my work. Thank you all, as always, for tuning in. Have a good Super Bowl Sunday, and we will see you guys next week.